pray you'd prepare our heart for the opportunity that we'll have to do what Ezra is doing now to return to our place of worship. And I pray, Father, you'd work through the word today. Help us be obedient. If there's loss, show them their need to be saved today. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were standing, you can be seated. As I mentioned to you a moment ago, we're picking up really at the end of the story to where Israel has been in captivity for some 70 years. Because of their sin and their idolatry and their turning from God, Israel has been in captivity in Babylon, but God has allowed them uh, now, after 70 years, to return back to Jerusalem to their place of worship. Now, I want you to think about their exile. They have been away from their home. They have been away from their place of worship because of their sin and because of their idolatry. The temple had been destroyed, and now God in his goodness and mercy is allowing them to go back home. He's allowing them to go back to Jerusalem through the stirring of the heart of Cyrus. Zerubbabel has gone before them, and he has rebuilt the temple. And now that the temple is completed, Ezra is now going to go back, and Ezra is going to lead them back to the worship of God. Now, I want you to think about this this morning. They've been away for some many decades in exile, now, I want to tell you, as a child, I thought about the, the thought of being exiled on a deserted island as being a fun thing. Uh, when I was a kid and we would watch the, uh, the show Swiss Family Robinson, I remember how exciting I thought it would be to be shipwrecked and to be exiled and marooned and being away from everything. And now that we've been exiled at our homes for the past three and four weeks, I'm beginning to think that was not as fun as it probably seemed on the movie but Israel's excited. You notice as we read down in verse 7, the Bible talks about the priests, the Levites, the singers, and the porters. They are leading the procession of the people of God, and they're leading Ezra back to Jerusalem as they prepare to finally return to their place of worship. God has chosen Ezra to lead them back, and here's what I want you to let begin to fester in our heart a little bit this morning. As exciting as a thought as it was for uh, Israel to return to Jerusalem to their place of worship, the truth is that Ezra was not leading them back just to their place of worship. Ezra was leading them back to their priority of worship. This morning, I want you to understand, I'm excited about the thought of getting to return back together to our place of worship, but it's important to recognize what Ezra understood in Ezra chapter number seven, that if we return to our place of worship without returning to our priority of worship, returning to this place will be very short-lived. Ezra realized that in order for Israel to be able to maintain that place of worship, that when they got back, they could not return to their home the way that they left their home. He said, well, what do you mean? Well, when they left, we read in Jeremiah chapter number 25, that the reasons that God allowed them and God sent them out from their place in this time of exile, the reason that God allowed them to be taken into captivity is because they had turned from God. You read Jeremiah chapter 25, and you will see it. They had turned from God. The Bible says they had gone their own way. The Bible says that they had served other gods, and they no longer hearkened unto God, and God allowed them to be taken into captivity because of it. And now they're excited about the prospects of being able to go home and return to their place of worship. 
And can I tell you this morning, as excited as we are about returning to our place of worship, I hope it's sooner than later, but getting back to church cannot be the priority of our life right now. Getting back to the priority of our worship should be what our hearts are stirred to do right now because if our goal is to just get back to this place as we were before we left, I hate to tell you, I do not believe God will allow this to continue much longer. Our priority should be getting back to God more than getting back to this building. I read a story several weeks ago that I believe will have a relevance to the message this morning. Back in December, 13, uh, December 13th, 1995, American Eagle Flight 3379 was on its final approach to Raleigh, North Carolina. He was four miles from the airport when a light began to blink in the cockpit of the plane. The light that was blinking was indicating to them that one of their engines was beginning to fail. Both the pilot and the co-pilot jumped up from their seats and began trying to determine which engine was it uh, that was failing on the plane. They began to take out the manuals from the plane and figure out what's going on, which engine is beginning to fail. And as they tried to diagnose what the problem was when the engine, one of the things they failed to recognize is that neither one of them was flying the plane. At this point, they were four miles from the airport at an altitude of 1,400 feet. At 1,400 feet, traveling at the velocity that they were traveling, it did not take long for the nose of the plane to begin to dip. And by the time the pilots realized it, it was too late. The plane crashed into the ground, and 15 of the 20 people on board the Gulf Stream lost their lives. Now, here's what I want you to think about this morning. We cannot focus on the minor details and overlook the major details of why I believe God is allowing our country to go through this. Getting back to the building is important. I look forward to it and getting to worship together and sing together and praise God together and pray together. I'm looking forward to that opportunity. But getting back to normal cannot be our priority because I believe normal is what got us into this mess. We see that Israel's sin had become normal. Neglecting God had become normal. Ignoring his word had become normal. And because they got used to that normal, God allowed them to be taken into captivity. Now, folks, this morning, understand the greater need is not just getting back to this building. The greater need for our country and for our church this morning is getting back to God. And that's what the captivity was all about. The captivity was not a time out, go sit in the corner, and then come back just as you left. No, it's an opportunity for us to make changes before we come back to this place. And I believe if we come back the way that we left, then this new normal will become permanent for us here in our church and for our country. And so this morning, the thought that I want to look at is God stirred the heart of Ezra to lead back these people to worship. He's not leading them just to a place. He's leading them back to a priority. And I believe during this time that we're away from here, I believe we should be taking this opportunity to get ready to get back. And that's what I want to preach about this morning, getting ready to get back. And that's what Ezra is leading the people to do. If you'll look in verse number 10, I believe you'll see four things. And I will hurry. I know sometimes you hear four things, you begin to panic. It's going to be 1230. Well, I'll do my best to only preach and say the things God would have us to. And you sit back, you get comfortable in your recliner, pay close attention. Because the four things that Ezra set the pattern for Israel to do, I believe are four things that we must do in order to get ready to get back to the priority of our worship. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it 
and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Ezra understood that for Israel to pick up where they left off would be futile. For Israel to go back to the life that they lived before all of the captivity happened will have wasted the opportunity and wasted the reason that God allowed them to be taken into captivity in the first place. And the Bible shows us that the first thing that Ezra did, the Bible says he prepared his heart. It'll be the first thing that we must do this morning to get ready to get back to the place and the priority of our worship. Number one, we need to have a priority of a prepared heart. A priority of a prepared heart. Now I want you to find something interesting. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, For Ezra had prepared his heart. When you read the chapters following chapter 7, you'll find that Ezra led the people of God in a great revival. There was great repentance. There was a turning back to God. They learned the lessons of the exile and the lessons of the captivity. But I want you to notice where the revival began that Ezra would lead the people in. The revival began in the heart of Ezra. Before he could lead the people of God in revival, he made sure that his heart was ready. And can I tell you something this morning? The first thing that we need to do to get ready in order to come back to the house of God is we must make a priority to prepare our personal heart to be right with God and ready to return to the worship of God. Revival is very, very personal. It begins in the heart of those that desire to be restored. Here's Ezra. He's been in captivity. He's been in exile. He has not enjoyed the experience. And Ezra says the only way to get our country back and to get our people back to a place where God restores us to where we used to be is to get to the place where each and every one of us prepares our heart back to be restored to God. Now, can I tell you this morning, It's easy to look around at America and say America needs to get right with God and America needs to repent and America needs to turn from their sin and America and America and America. But the truth is this morning, if we're going to be ready to get back to this place of worship, it begins in each and every individual heart of Central Baptist Church. I heard it said years ago, and I think we've all heard the cliche that you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. And this morning, the being part of the solution for what's wrong in America begins with each and every one of us taking a look in our own heart. The Bible says Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. You know, this morning, I believe if you'll look throughout Scripture, you will find that every pursuit of revival began with personal reflection. Every pursuit of revival began with a personal reflection. Think about this, the prodigal son. The prodigal son found himself far from the comforts of his father's house. The prodigal son found himself in the mire and the mud and the clay, and he's sitting there. And the Bible says he would have fain filled himself with the husk of the corn. How desperate must you be to eat that rotten corn husk there in the mud? The Bible says this. The Bible says that he came to himself. He came to himself. Can I tell you what he's doing? He's desiring to get back to the place that he was. And in order to get back to the place that he was, he must realize at the place that he's at. And the Bible says he comes to himself almost as if he walks to the mirror mirror, and takes a look at himself. 
and he realizes where he's at, and he realizes what he's done, and he realizes what must happen in order for him to get back to the place that he has fallen from. What's happening? He's pursuing revival with a personal reflection. And I believe this morning for us to go through this time of exile, this time where we're away from our place of worship, and not take a time to personally reflect and make sure that our hearts are right with God. What an opportunity we have, but what a wasted opportunity to come back to this place exactly the way that we left this place. If we're going to have revival when we return, it begins with a personal reflection of who we are now. Nehemiah chapter 1, before revival broke out and the walls were rebuilt, the Bible would tell us that Nehemiah says, I and my father's house have sinned. What is happening before the revival broke out and the walls rebuilt in just 52 days? Great revival swept this same place that we're reading about this morning. Before revival could take place, there was a personal reflection on the part of Nehemiah. He searched his heart. We quote often, especially during times of difficulty, 2 Chronicles 7.14. We know the verse, well, if my people which are called by my name, the Bible says, shall humble who? Themselves. The Bible says that if we want God to heal our land, it begins with a personal reflection upon ourselves. We humble themselves. That means we look at ourselves and our standing before God, and we make sure that our heart is right with God for revival. We can't expect everybody to do it for us. We must personally look within our heart, and as as Ezra did, prepare our heart to seek the law of the Lord. One of the best examples, Psalms 51, is David. Psalms 51, David has sinned with Bathsheba. David has fallen away from the great standing that he had as a man after God's own own heart. And as David desires revival, as David desires restoration, the Bible says in Psalms 51.10, David says, create in me a clean heart. David says, it's me. I'm the one that's dirty. My heart is not right with God. I am not in a right standing with God. And David looks to God and he says, create in me a clean heart. David desired to be restored to that place of worship, a right relationship with God. And David knew that restoration began in his heart in order to be right with God. So David says, create in me a clean heart. I believe this morning, if we're going to get ready to get back to our place of worship, it begins with the priority of a prepared heart. And every one of us this morning ought to be willing to come to ourselves, walk up to the spiritual mirror of God's word, and see ourselves as God sees us. And when we realize how far we've slipped away and we've backslidden out of the will of God, that we would get right with God, have that clean heart to be ready to come back to the place of worship that we love so much. I truly believe this morning we must be willing to confront ourselves and our standing with God and see where we stand and then humble ourselves to be right with God. There's a reason, 1 Peter chapter 4, the Bible says that judgment must first begin at the house of the Lord. Judgment must first begin at the house of the Lord. Can I tell you, there is no way America is going to wander and find its way back to God. America must be led back to God. And those that have been given the tremendous task of leading this country back to God, it's the church. But how can the church lead America back to God if we're not right with God ourselves? That's why it must begin with us. And here's Ezra about to lead God's people back to the priority of worship. But notice, he started with his own heart. I believe we're serious this morning of not just returning to this place, 
But if we're serious this morning about returning to the priority of our worship and having a right standing with God, we will, as Psalms 139 tells us, search me, O God, and know my heart. The Bible says that we'll go to God and ask God even to know our thoughts. Look deep inside of me. Show me who I am. And the Bible says, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If we are serious about being restored to God, it will begin with the priority of a prepared heart. And I believe our only chance this morning, the only chance and the only hope that America has is for God's people to have a change of heart. It doesn't begin with you looking across the way and looking at your spouse and looking at the other folks who are not as faithful as you are. It begins with each and every one of us making it a priority to have a prepared heart. And that's how we get ready in order to get back. Now look at verse 10 again. I'll show you the second thing. The Bible says Ezra had prepared his heart. What did he prepare his heart to do? The Bible says to seek the law of the Lord, to seek the law of the Lord. Notice that Ezra understood that ignoring God is what got them into this mess in the first place. I'll be honest with you. I'll give you my opinion. I can't tell you what God is doing through all of this, but I think we would be ignorant this morning. Uh, I think we would be ignoring the truths that we have drifted from God in this country. And that we've turned our back on God in this country. And we, as Jeremiah 25 says, we have not hearkened unto his words in this country. I believe we have a wonderful opportunity to realize and to see the effects of what happens when we don't hearken to the word of the Lord. And so Ezra says we've got to change that before we come back to our place of worship. And the Bible says he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. The second way that we get ready to get back He begins with a resolve to God's will. A resolve to God's will. Part of Israel's problem was they were very passive and they had a passive approach to the will of God for their life. Ezra realizes the only way that they can restore themselves before God and have a right standing with God is for them to resolve to be involved and resolve to do God's will. It's always a telltale sign Uh, that you're going to be in need of restoration when you do not hearken to the word of God. And that's the word I want to jump out to you in number two here. The Bible says that he prepared his heart to seek, to seek the law of the Lord. You know, right now, I think we can probably all relate to the word seek. There's a lot of things that used to be readily available, a lot of things that we used to be able to put our hands on that we never even worried about. Right now, we're having a hard time finding some of those things, finding, obviously, the cure to this virus. We are seeking it out. I don't believe that doctors are just sitting back and in the break room trying to spitball ideas on what to do. I believe they're actively seeking what they can do uh, to to find a cure for this. I read just yesterday of how ventilators are running out around our country, how hospitals are having people die uh, because there's not enough ventilators to go around in some of the larger, uh, more densely populated cities. And they're desperately seeking ventilators. They're not passively looking for them. They are seeking for them. And can I tell you something this morning? We're not talking about luxuries. We're talking about necessities for life. The Bible says that Ezra prepared his heart not to just passively look for the law of the Lord, but to seek the law of the Lord. Tell you something about myself, and I bet you that you could relate to this. I have found that I seek the things that I'm serious about. I seek the things that I'm serious about. Ezra was serious about being restored to God, about not only returning to the place of worship. 
Ezra was serious about returning to the priority of worship. And he says, what got us into this mess was we were very passive when it came to the law of the Lord. You'll find that Israel had abandoned God and began pursuing false gods and they no longer cared to hear what God had to say. They were passive when it came to the law of the Lord. They didn't take God seriously. And Ezra said, that's what got us into this mess to begin with. And the only way that we can have things different and to be preserved different is for us to go back and to seek the law of the Lord. Now, folks, I believe this morning, if we're going to return to this place and the priority of this place, then we're going to have to resolve that we're going to do God's will. Years ago, we were at camp, and at the end of camp, you're very tired. Uh, kids run you ragged. They don't like to go to sleep, and uh, a lot of activities, swimming and all that will wear you out. And I remember uh, the kids were wanting to play manhunt on Thursday night, and manhunt is just a manlier version of hide-and-go-seek. Uh, it's not manly for teenagers to, teenage guys to play hide-and-go-seek, so we would play manhunt. And I really didn't feel like going out and finding all of them. Uh, and they wanted to play, they really wanted to play bad. I said, here's what you do. You guys go out, you go hide out in the woods, and I will come find you. And when they went out and they went hiding, you know where I'm going with this. I went and sat in the dining hall and enjoyed a nice cup of coffee. And I waited probably 30, 45 minutes before I ever thought about going and looking for them. As a matter of fact, some of them just surrendered, gave up, and walked back to the dining hall. That was the best way to play hide-and-go-seek I've ever done it. Now, understand, that's a lot of times how we seek the Lord. We're not that serious about it. We desire it in our heart, but it never makes it past our heart to motivate our life to change, to conform with the will of God and with the word of God. And that's the sad truth. Most of the time, we don't seek God's will. We stumble upon it as a last resort. Now, isn't that true this morning? How often do we put God's will on the back burner and we do not hearken into the word of God? And the only time we really stumble upon the will and the word of God is when we've exhausted all other possibilities and as a last resort, we turn to the will of God. How often is that the case? I believe Ezra understands that that's not going to cut it. And I want you to know this morning, for us to go back to a lackadaisical, passive approach to the will of God, to the law of God, will only get us right back to the place that we left, that place of exile and that place of captivity. And Ezra says, not only did he prepare his heart, but what he prepared his heart to do was to seek the law of the Lord. There's one thing exile will do for you. Exile will create a desire in you to find what you've been missing. I know there's a lot of things that I've been missing. A lot of my restaurants are closed that I like to go eat at and frequent at. Uh, a lot of the things I like to go buy at the store, they're out of. And being away has made, the absence has made it grow fonder, the desire for those things. And oh, how I pray this morning that being absent, being away from the opportunity to gather at this place and to have a priority of worship with God, I hope that's only made our desire so much the more that when we do get back to this place, we're going to make a priority to be resolved to the will of God. Proverbs 27, 7 illustrates this for us. The Bible says the full soul loatheth honey. A soul that's full, a belly that's full. The Bible says they loathe honey, something that should be delicious and sweet. But the Bible says this, that to the hungry, every bitter thing is sweet. To the hungry, could it be that God is allowing us to go through this time of exile? Could it be that God is allowing us this time of going without and being away from this place to make us hungry for the things of God? 
Could it be that being away from the work of God and the opportunity to get to go door knocking and the opportunity to get to witness to our friends, could it be that God is making us hungry for those things again, that when we do come back, we are resolved to God's will? I read an amazing story just last night about a gentleman in 2011 who was traveling north of Phoenix. His name was Henry Morello. He was heading in the wrong direction during the winter and tried to turn around. And when he tried to turn around, his car went off into the ditch and got caught in a snowbank. I mean, the area that he was at, it was very desolate. Not a lot of passing cars, especially in the, uh, the snow that was coming down. And so for five days, he was stuck in his car without any help. To survive, when they did recover him, they asked him, how did he make it through the five days? How did he survive without food or water or exercise? And he simply said this. He said, I took a rock and I cracked open the reservoir and I drank the windshield wiper fluid from my car. He said, I drank a little bit every day just to keep me hydrated and to keep me nourished. And to pass the time, I pulled out the manual of my car and I read the manual of my car to pass the time. You say, well, I would never drink washer fluid. I would never do that. I'll promise you, if you got thirsty enough, you'd be amazed at what you would drink. And he was able to survive because he got hungry and he got thirsty enough to do the things that maybe he would have not wanted to do before. Could it be this morning that God is during this time of exile, he's letting us get hungry. He's letting us get to the place where we desire and we hunger to do the will of God. And the Bible says that in Ezra's desire to be restored to God, he prepared his heart to not only just know the will of God, but to seek the law of the Lord. Oftentimes we quote Jeremiah 29 and we read about the plans that God has for us. But if you'll keep reading in Jeremiah chapter number 29, verse 11, 11, 12, and 13, you'll find that God puts a condition on those plans. And that is if we will be willing to seek them. So number two this morning, how do we get ready to get back to a priority of worship? Number one, we understand it begins with a prepared heart. Every one of us must look inside and see our standing with God. Number two, it it follows up with that with a resolve to God's will. Notice the third thing. The Bible says Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. Now I find it interesting that God, in his inspired word, included the words and to do it. Notice it was not enough just for Ezra to prepare his heart and just to know the will of God and to know the law of the Lord. The third thing, if you'll notice, the Bible says, but to also to do it. Number three, I believe if we're going to get ready in order to come back, we're going to have to have a faithful follow-through, and we must be faithful to follow through. Ezra understood that in order to be restored, he must be uh, committed to live, which so often the only thing we are is content to learn. Ezra says when we get back to the place, I, I must lead the people to not only know the law of the Lord, but I must lead the people to also do what they've only been content up until then is to learn. I believe this morning that's often the case for us. Oftentimes we're faithful in fellowship, but we are faulty on the follow-through. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, we love learning about the Word of God. We love quoting the Word of God. We love being in the house of God. We love fellowshipping with God's people, which all of that is good. But understand, sooner or later, we've got to take what we've learned and we've got to start to live it. And Ezra says, not only can we seek the law of the Lord, but we must be resolved to do what the law of the Lord commands. There's a term, I think we all know it. It's a sporting term. It's the term follow-through. I'll tell you something interesting about this term. 
you will find the term follow through in just about every sport. I took the time yesterday to go through all of the different major sports that are out there, and you will find that there's an importance of the, the ideal and the principle of following through. You'll find it on a, ba- a basketball shot. It's important that you follow through. You'll find it when a, fo- when a quarterback throws the football. It's important in order for the ball to get where he wants it to go that he follow through. You'll find it in baseball. You'll find it in tennis. You'll find it in golf. That you must be willing to follow through with your swing. Now, here's what follow through means. To continue one's movement after the ball has been struck or thrown. To continue one's movement after the ball has been struck or thrown. Now, you think about that this morning. How often do we come to the house of God? And, oh, listen, I'm right here with you, regardless of the fact that I may be preaching it. Listen, I've been listening to a lot of preaching from others who are preaching on live stream. And every time I hear the word of God, you know what it does? It makes contact with me. Boy, sometimes it really makes contact with me, and it hits me hard. Sometimes I'll just be sitting in the office, maybe sitting in the living room of my home, and I'll be reading the Word of God, and oh, the quick and living and powerful Word that we preached on Wednesday night, it makes contact with me, and sometimes it hits hard, but here's what's got to happen. After God makes contact with us, we are the ones responsible to follow through. But how often do we come to the house of God and the word of God makes contact and the word of God hits home with us and yet we walk out of those doors and we never follow through to do what God has just allowed us to learn. I believe this morning when we come back to this place, if God and his goodness and his grace allows us to come back to this place, we cannot be merely contented to learn about the word of God as we used to do, but we must be content to learn it and then to live it, to follow through when God makes contact with us. Because just being willing to or able to quote the word of God, just being able to memorize the word of God is not going to cut it. We must come back different. Ezra says, before the captivity, we knew the word of God. We were conscious of the word of God, but we didn't live it. We didn't follow through with it. And Ezra says, if we're going to come back and we're going to stay back in a right relationship with God, if God's going to restore us back to the place and the priority of our worship, we must not be content with just learning about the word of God. We must be faithful to follow through with the contact that God makes with us. And so often, I believe, that's where the word is left behind. We don't follow through with it. And Ezra says, not only must we seek it, we must be willing to do it. Years ago, I was hunting with a friend and told me that he began coaching a little league team. And I told me one of, the, one of the funniest stories I've heard in a long time, real life story. You know, sometimes I really do wonder about all of our stories that preachers tell, but this was a real one. He told me that he started coaching a little league team, and this little squirt uh, got placed on his team. He was just a little guy, and he says he could look at him when he came out on the field and tell that this little guy, uh, he was not the greatest athlete in the world. He sits there, and he goes to the team meeting, and they're talking about the games we're going to play, and how many are away, and how many are home, and all of that. He just kept watching the kid, and the first thing that was a warning flag to Will was the fact that the kid held the bat on the wrong end most of the meeting. At the end of the meeting, the kid runs up to him with his eyes sparkling. He looks up to Will and he says, so when do we get our costumes? And he said he knew at that moment that he was going to be in trouble concerning this one. The kid was just there to get a costume. 
The kid was not there to really contribute. He didn't have a whole lot to contribute. But he was there to get the jersey, to be on a team, to have a hat, and maybe get a participation trophy. But he was not going to do much with what he had opportunity to do with. Can I tell you this morning, our costumes are not doing us any good. Learning about the word of God, putting on a good show, but not following through with it, they're not going to do us any good anymore. As a matter of fact, that was Israel's problem. Israel had learned to play the game. They knew the word of God. They had heard the word of God, but they refused to follow through with the word of God. And that's what got them into captivity to begin with. So as we prepare to return home to our place, our priority of worship, the third thing we must do to get ready is be faithful to follow through. That begins right now. This is why James 1, the Bible tells us to be doers of the word, not hearers only. To be doers of the word. Follow through with it. Don't just learn it. Don't just memorize it. Don't just quote it. Don't just post it. Don't just wear the bracelets with the verses on them. No, follow through with it. Listen, if we want to remain in this place, if God allows us to return to this place, there's no way we will remain here by just pretending. We must follow through and get the job done or else I fear this new normal may become a permanent normal for us. Stonewall Jackson was going through his valley campaign. And he approached a raging river, a stream, if you will, that needed to be crossed. He had cannons, he had infantry, he had cavalry, and had to get them across the river. So he goes to his engineers in his, um, his brigade, I guess it was. And he tells them, I need to get all of these men and all these supplies and all of these munitions across the river. So the engineers go to their tent and they begin devising how they can build a bridge. And during that time, uh, one of his wagon masters comes to him and asks what's going on. And he says, I've got to get everything across this river. And uh, I just need somebody to figure out how we can get all of this over there. The story goes that the wagon master went to his men and they begin to cut down trees. And uh, they begin to stack limbs and rocks. And before you knew it, all of the men, all of the supplies, all of the munitions were across the river. As they crossed the river, they began looking, and the tent was still set up in the background that the engineers were inside of. He says, what are they doing in there? He says, they're drawing up plans to build a bridge. Little did they know that there were some men who just decided to take what they had to put it into action, and they built the bridge and were able to cross before they ever finished deciding what they were going to do. I fear this morning that when the Lord comes back, and we all think it could be very soon, and uh, guaranteed it could be very soon, who knows? But I fear that oftentimes, listen, when the Lord comes back, he's going to find so many of us still thinking about what we're going to do rather than just doing the job that he called us to do. And Ezra says that we've got to prepare our heart to not only seek the law of the Lord, but be willing to do it. And then finally, watch him take it a step further in verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. But then the Bible says, and to teach Israel statutes and judgments. Now, I want you to notice a mood change. It goes from what Ezra did. He prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. And then now it's expanding beyond himself. Ezra says, it can't just be something in me. Ezra says, I can't just know what to do. I can't just be willing to do what God tells us to do. I've got to lead this nation to do the same thing. And I believe this morning, if God allows us by his grace to get back to this place, the last thing we must do to get ready to get back is we must have a belief that goes beyond ourselves. 
Ezra says we've got to have a belief that goes beyond ourselves. Ezra says we can't be just content to have things right in my life and in our world. He says we've got to lead our country to do the same thing. Can I tell you something and speak directly to Central Baptist Church? Last week we talked about how God has pushed us outside of our box. We're no longer in our comfort zone and God has forced the church to leave the building to go out into the world and be the light that he's called us to. Can I tell you this morning, if God allows us to return to this place and have the place of worship and return to our priority of worship, it can't just stay here. It's in, listen, God has left this church in this place to lead our area, to lead our city to a right standing with God. Just because we have it right here doesn't mean it's going to stay right here if what's inside of here doesn't get outside of here. And that's what Ezra is saying in verse number 10. He says, I'm going to prepare my heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. But then I've got to lead this nation back to God because I will assure you of this. America will not find its way back to God by accident. It must be led by the light which he left us here to be, the church. That means we're going to have to be active in the will of God outside of these four walls. I heard somebody say once, and it, it didn't kick in until after a while, you know. Sometimes maybe it's 1230 on your way home from church when the preacher's joke really begins to make sense. And someone said one time, that says, you can't be a referee they said, nobody is interested in the win or loss record of the referee. Now, what does the referee do? The referee calls the game. And we have a lot of referees in our church. The referee calls the game. He's not on this side. He's not on that side. He just calls the game. He points out uh, what's wrong and what needs to be done and so on and so forth. And I think a lot of times the church is like a referee. We are content to call the game. We're content to point out where the fouls are. We're content to show what's wrong. But we never take an active role in resolving what is wrong. And Ezra says there's no way that God's going to allow us to remain silent. We must not only prepare our hearts to seek the law of the Lord, but to do it and then to teach in Israel the statutes and judgments. I believe this is what Mordecai is trying to teach Esther. If you'll notice what Mordecai told Esther, he told her, he says, don't think in a manner of speaking, don't think that you're going to escape this. Just because you have the cushy position in the palace just because uh, God has allowed you to have this wonderful atmosphere that you're in now, don't think that you're going to escape what's coming to everybody else. Why? Because she was a Jew also. The law had been sealed. It could not go back. No exception would be made. Esther would be consumed with what was coming to all of her people just as it was coming to them. And I want you to understand this morning, God allows us to come back to this place. And boy, I look forward to it. God allows us to come back to this place of worship and to restore our priority of worship. It's not going to cut it anymore for us to have it right in our world. We must, listen, we must have a resolve that we're going to take what we believe on the inside of these walls and we're going to lead our nation back to God with it. Or else, let me tell you what's going to happen. If we think that we can hide out in this oasis of Central Baptist Church and not go out and be the light to America that we need to be, I fear that we'll get back to the place of exile sooner than later. And so this morning, what does God want us to do? Well, he showed us an example. In Ezra chapter number 7, he says, I want you to get ready before you get back. Let me tell you this morning, it's going to be too late when we come back to this place and decide, well, I'm ready to prepare my heart. I'm ready to examine myself. I'm ready to reflect on where I stand with God. It's going to be too late. 
Right now, Ezra, before he started leading the people, he prepared his heart to seek the Lord. The Bible says to seek the law of the Lord. What was that? He was resolving to do God's will. How was he getting ready? Well, he was going to be faithful in the follow-through. He was not going to be content just to learn the word of God, but he was going to live it. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to lead the nation in the same. I believe the only hope, I really do believe this, the only chance at hope for America is for the church to have a change of heart. We've got to get serious. We've got to be willing to look inside to prepare our heart, resolve to God's will. And then we've got to be faithful to follow through. We can't just learn it. We've got to be willing to live it. And then we've got to go beyond the borders of ourself to lead our nation back to God. And I'll tell you this before we close. I can't, I can't wait to get back. I can't wait to get back to this place. I miss it more than you know. Missing our people out there. I miss the fellowship, the, the four-year fellowship by live stream. That's great, but I miss getting to see you and getting to fellow. I miss the spirit of God moving in the place amongst heart. I miss people down at the altar getting to pray. I miss all of that. But getting back to this place cannot be the priority. If we get back with God and get back right with God, getting back to this place will come along with that. Getting back to this place should not be the end all. That's short-sighted and it will be short-lived. We must, as Ezra was leading their people to do, prepare our hearts. Can I ask you this morning, how's your heart? How's your heart? You know, being away from church, I just have to, have to believe that there's a chance for us to slip a little bit, to backslide. How's your heart this morning? Listen, if you want to get back to this place and get back to a right relationship with God and restore our priority of worship more than the place of worship, we've got to be willing to examine ourselves Ask God right now, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. And when God puts his finger on something, let's confess it, forsake it, and get it right. Let me ask you, when we return, will you have a resolve to do God's will? Will you be faithful in your follow-through? And then will you be willing to have a belief that goes beyond the walls of this place? God's looking to the church to lead America back to him. And I pray this morning that even today, at this moment of this hour, we're getting ready to get back to God. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's stop there. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.